0: Lovely to be here. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to K Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung. You guys, it is a very strange day for me. I well, I'm not at the hospital, so that's good. Um, let me let me first start off by finishing up that story. So um, last week, I was in the emergency room. I took myself in because there was a gas leak in my apartment, and I took myself to the ER to make sure that you know everything is fine. And uh, I was fine. You know, my nurse was this Filipino lady and she was uh, very sweet. Her name was Lorena. Lorena took my blood and she checked my blood pressure and she hooked me up to an oxygen machine and she kept me company. And, you know, she was talking to me about she was talking to me about Korean dramas. And I thought that was pretty fun. And I I recommended to her. I was like, you know, you should check out King the Land. That's pretty popular these days. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's on my that's on my list. I was like, okay, cool. So uh, the nurse was nice, and then my doctor was uh, also an Asian American woman. She she seemed to she seemed to be about my age, which was like it took me a moment to like adjust. I'm like, whoa, like this doctor looks about my age, if not younger, and she's my doctor. So it took me like a moment, um, but she was very very nice, and she basically told me that uh, everything's fine, all of my levels are fine, I'm okay, and that I was good to go. So uh, basically, I'm okay. <laughs> Basically, uh, I was having a drama queen moment, but you know what? Like, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did have a drama queen moment because, um, you know, like in the past, I just would have been like, whatever, stop being such a drama queen and I would have just squashed it. But no, it's like, if I if I don't feel safe, then I need to go and take care of myself, you know? And honestly, like that, that incident did sort of shock my system. And for the rest of the week, I was like a little bit you know up in the up in the clouds. Um, also, um, a friend of mine passed away. Uh, so she's actually my, my friend's mom, but I consider this woman a friend. Her name's Tuim, um, Kim Duim or Tuim Kim Weaver. but she was this woman. Uh, she lived 92 years. And she's a Korean-American woman, but she was born in Korea. She lived through the Japanese occupation, and she was fluent in Japanese because she was living at a time where um, the Korean language was made illegal and everybody was required to speak Japanese. So, so her Japanese is very fluent. Uh, it was more fluent than her English. And um, she uh, married an American GI, moved to the States, had two children, and lived out in Thousand Oaks. And she lived a very happy, fulfilling, uh, loving life. And I remember going to her house for Thanksgiving for the last couple of years, and she would cook, and she would make me kimchi, and she would make baklava. She would make all these delicious foods, and she would feed me like crazy, and... You know, like I remember one one time, like I don't know why she said this, but she, you know, she was just like sitting with me, and she was just like, "You're gonna be famous," you know, like it was just kind of like just spilled out of her, and she just said it very casually and randomly. But I accepted it, and I just let it in, and I said thank you. And uh, when I found out about her passing, I was very very sad. Yeah, I was sad all week. I'm still sad, and I'm actually really exhausted right now because I went to a memorial service today and. I was crying the entire time. So um, I guess I'll dedicate this episode to uh, Tuim. Tuim Amanim. And um, yeah, she was just such a wonderful woman. Such a loving woman. And I could tell that she had a wonderful influence on her community because that memorial service was full. So many people showed up. And everybody was just like gushing about how special they felt in her presence yeah she was like really one of these people who just emanated warmth from her center and people really felt nourished by it and nurtured by it and it just showed me like oh that is what a successful life looks like you know like a successful life doesn't look like you know big crowds and like you know overcome like like putting things out there, like output. That's not That's not what a successful life means. A successful life is like, who remembers you? Who remembers you for something wonderful that you did for them? Like, who remembers you for doing something uh, that made their heart feel seen and safe, right? Like, yeah, that's what people remember. That's what people want. It's not this all this other stuff like output output right speaking of output um my my final manuscript is due tomorrow um well it will be due the same day that you're listening to this podcast so it's due monday and um i am very satisfied with the book i'm satisfied with the book and i'm really excited for for the book to reach you guys um and uh, i already got some good news from my editor saying that yeah, the, you know, the market seems um, like that, that this book is in high demand, basically is what he's telling me. So um, I'm really excited for that. And uh, all of that. Um, I'm happy that my career is, you know, moving in this direction, and that things are opening up and all of that. But you know, like, what I recognize from today's memorial service is that, I want my future to look somewhat like hers, you know, I want people to show up and say that they felt like a similar kind of, you know, warm, fuzzy, good feeling, having known me, right? Because that's, that's how I felt knowing I I feel so lucky to have met this woman. And to have, Spent some time with her. Because she's like this living relic. You know. She was this living relic of. You know. Like surviving occupation. Surviving the Korean War. Surviving immigration. Surviving so much. And. In the end. She was like a happy woman. A happy woman. Loving woman. Caring woman. And to me. That is what success looks like. So. Um. Yeah, let's let's try and remember that. Okay, so uh, I know I've been saying that I'm gonna be covering King the Land, and let me tell you something. Like I, it took a lot for me to decide to really keep my word and cover King the Land because this past week I found the show Anna, starring Pesuji, which is on Amazon Prime. It's uh, marketed as an Amazon Prime original in the United States in the other countries no this is this is not an amazon prime original series this is a kupang play original series and this is such a good show like i after, i was like wait why did i put off on this i guess like cuz you know amazon prime like they pick the shittiest posters their artwork does not pull my interest at all they really need to figure out a way to market k dramas better on amazon prime because amazon prime has some really decent shows but they they really got to work on this shit because I saw this show hovering around but I just it didn't catch my eye and whatever that's not what I'm gonna be covering today so okay but I wanted to cover that I really wanted to cover Anna like I wrote two steno pads full of notes while watching Anna that's how like deep and rich that show is so if you have not seen Anna watch it. Go see Anna immediately and I will be covering that show on K-Drama School. So please check it out. But okay, today I'm going to be discussing King the Land. Uh obviously, uh this is a show starring Yuna from Girl's Generation and Chunho from 2PM. I mean, this is a late millennial K-pop fan fan kids dream come true okay like i am not a late millennial um so this actually doesn't mean a great deal to me because i'm not a girls generation or a 2 p.m fan like I, like i heard their music it was like around but i wasn't like a diehard girls generation 2 p.m fan um, i was already kind of past my k-pop fandom phase by the by the time that they got popular but like these two oh my gosh Yeah, power couple, because everybody knows Girls' Generation and 2PM, they were like gods in the, I don't know, in like like 2005 onwards, like 2008, 2009, like around then, they were like gods. So to see these two come together, like what a screen power couple like, dream come true, right? The show was written by writer Chih Um, who I believe is a fairly new writer because I can't find anything else in her filmography. It's possible that this is her first show, but, um, like, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But this was a very satisfying rom-com. I really, really liked it because, uh, you know, like, not all rom-coms are good. Not not all rom-coms are successful, but this one, it was it was really great. So number one, like the theme of smiling on this show is very interesting, right? Like, because me growing up as a girl and a woman in the United States, I've been told to smile by men since I was a little kid. Yeah, men would always tell me to smile since I was a little kid. Women never asked me to smile, but men, they would tell me to smile all the time. And it's such an inappropriate request. It's so inappropriate because like asking me to switch up my mood just to accommodate them? Oh my God, that's all kinds of fucked up, right? So yeah, it's rude to tell a woman to smile. Okay, so we cover that, right? But in the hospitality industry, employees are expected to smile. They are expected to maintain a pleasant face, pleasant mannerisms, pleasant voice. This is very much the the atmospheric demand and i feel like this job expectation is very comparable to a k-pop stars okay because it's not that different from a hospitality service in that k-pop stars are expected to smile all the time and seem happy too right being a k-pop star is framed like a service in south korean media and culture yes The way one reacts negatively to these faint smiles is very interesting. It points to his search for something real and genuine and grounded and concrete in his life. Now, Sarang smiles very often, okay? But her smiles are genuine because she's like very committed to the hotel and she's happy with that job and she likes her work, okay? So she's smiling all the time because like this is her dream job. Yeah, she was made for this, okay? Um, But towards the end, when she realizes that she's reached the top, the, the upper tippy tops of this line of work, and that it's no longer satisfying, and she decides to leave, I was like, oh my goodness, this girl is my hero. So brave. Like, she had zero qualms, zero questions about it, just absolute certainty, and she moved forward, took a big risk. I was like, this is awesome. This is exactly the kind of thing that, you know, I want K-dramas to promote. Like, yes, bitches, you can do this. Like, you don't need that shit, right? And she goes and becomes her own boss. Oh, so good. So satisfying, okay? um, I love this scene. I think that this was one of my favorite scenes, but uh this is like in one of the earlier episodes but when uh sangshik who is one's uh you know stooge right sangshik starts speaking informally to sarang and then sarang responds back to him informally i was like that's so badass that it was like one of the most satisfying moments on that show let's let's give that some xylophone bells huh Yes. I I was like, yeah, I'm into that. Yes. Yes. Like if a man speaks informally to you, just clap back and speak informally to him. And then eventually what does one do? One says like he he advises his employees. He's like, you know, even if you hire somebody like a temp and even if they are your subordinate, do not address them informally. Like, treat them with respect, right? And this is something that South Korea is learning how to do. And this is, it's, it's like culturally, like, embedded in that society where hierarchy and, you know, rank, you know, all of these things are, like, embedded into the society. So language, of course, follows, okay? If somebody is... You know, your superior, if they're your supervisor, if they're one rank above you, if they're a little older, okay, they will drop honorifics. And along with dropping honorifics, they will also drop respect. They will, res- you know, they will drop boundaries. They will drop all kinds of humanities and uh, just treat you like like crap you know that's very common it's something I've experienced a lot it's something I've also done to younger you know friends and it is not cool and I really respect this show for addressing it and uh, yeah it's got sort of this didactic moralizing sort of flavor in there right but it's for more of a democratic sort of purpose so I, I found that very progressive and interesting Now, all of the women on this show work jobs that require a lot of emotional labor, right? There's Harang working at a hotel. She has to smile all day. She has to meet people's needs and demands and hospitality. Okay, so that's emotional labor. And then her friend Tae who works in retail, Okay, that's also a lot of emotional labor. She has to smile, she has to grin, she has to pretend like everything's okay. And then there's Pyeongha, who works as a flight attendant. Same thing, flight attendants have to smile, they have to be polite, they have to treat you like a baby, okay? All of this is emotional labor. So all three women are working emotional labor. There's a book written by sociologist Arlie Russell Hochschild, published in 1979 called The Managed Heart, and she documents the emotional labor of flight attendants and customer service workers who offer a lot of emotional labor like smiling, keeping a soft tone, inquiring on a patron's level of comfort, asking if they need anything, okay? This is not dissimilar from what nurses are expected to do in hospitals, right? And what Hochschild found is that These emotional labor jobs are primarily occupied by women because women are just by default expected to be more emotionally available, regardless of whether or not that's true, you know, for each individual woman. And these emotional labor jobs are also severely underpaid compared to jobs that require zero emotional labor, right? This show gives recognition to the difficulty of emotional jobs where women are expected to put aside their own feelings to accommodate everybody else's feelings. Okay, emotional labor is a very difficult job, and compartmentalizing requires a great deal of emotional intelligence. And as we see, you know, executives like Wan or Sangxi, they do not have as much emotional intelligence as these three women and these three women do a lot to teach him stuff and show him the ropes of what this emotional labor requires and I was just like okay yeah this show it's like it's really speaking to me I love it the show also recognizes the importance of upper management to to first notice And to take action when there are injustices that on the floor staff experience, right? Because like when you work in retail or as a flight attendant or at a hotel, right? Like where emotional demands are high and some patrons can be very rude, right? Like these people who are working there, they're not allowed to be rude. They are not allowed to just really express their true feelings and be honest and upfront with patrons or who are being rude to them because their job is to be smiling all the time and pretend like everything's okay. So when one actually goes and like does something about it, because he has access to what this life means, what this life uh, is you know what this life encompasses thanks to his girlfriend's harang he goes and does something about it he goes and makes these changes and um it does improve his management skills a great deal so that was fascinating uh the fact that one's mom was kicked out of the family home and estranged from her son because she started to unionize the staff at the hotel oh that is incredible okay Talk about sacrifice. I kind of love this choice for one's mother because K dramas make mothers who abandon their children seem either extremely pitiful or very cowardly. In this instance, one's mother was forced out of one's life because she was a whistleblower and they threatened to, you know, harm one or something, right? And so, like, she took a big risk and it was a politicized decision. And I think that's badass yes i think it's badass when a woman stands up for her values you know and um for her it was like her values came before being a mother in a way you know and it's like i can't judge that i don't think anybody can judge that nobody can i think that's um i respect that woman's decision in that regard okay i also love that sarang is like the one who initiates sex with one i was like oh fuck yeah like this shit is progressive more of this please yes um, and I think my favorite episodes were 7 and 8 because um, uh, Anupam Tripathi who plays Prince Samir he was in both of those episodes and he is so hilarious like oh my god what an amazing comedic actor I think we need to see Anupam in more comedic roles because he's excellent He's he's got excellent comedic timing um, and I would I would say the same for Chunho and Yuna. They're both pretty hilarious too. They have excellent chemistry together, and uh, yeah, I hope they work together again someday. So um, kudos to King the Land and you guys. Um, please make sure you watch Anna. I I highly recommend this show because like I think it's better than Squid Game. That's right, you heard it here first. I declare Anna to be a better. K drama than Squid Game. So there that is. That's it. Thank you.